Welcome everybody, SF Live episode number 60. My name is Kai Hoffman, I'm the CEO of the SOAR Financial Group and I'm really pleased to introduce Mark's court in a second. He's the president and CEO of Wallbridge Mining. We'll be chatting with him about the developments at Fenelon and in Quebec. But before we get started, quick reminder, use hashtag AskWM, that's the company's ticker, as you all know, for your questions during our live stream and live chat here with Mars. And uh, we'll get to the questions at the end of our quick chat here with Mars, and uh, we'll get every every single question that you pr uh, put forward answered as well. Um, also, make sure to follow us here on Twitter. Make sure to follow us and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will be uploading this interview afterwards as well. Also, we're available on Spotify and Instagram as well. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce Mars Court, President and CEO of Walbridge Mining. Mars, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you, Kai? Yeah, staying alive and kicking, you know, been keeping keeping busy. <laughs> good. It's good. It's good to see you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we last met oh. in March 2019 at PDAC. Sorry. And uh, I, I mentioned to you beforehand, like I represent a fund uh, out of Germany as well. And uh, in, in my meeting notes, I, I put in Walbridge Mining, interesting company. And, but already high market cap for what they have, high share count, roughly 400 million at the time, 105 million market cap. And I gave you guys a neutral rating and saying it needs to be more due diligence on the projects and the management team, but interesting, right? So 14 months later, let's talk about what happened in between. Like you're completely different company. I completely missed out on a th at least three bagger, right? Um, yeah. What have you done? G give us a quick update what's happened. And in the last PDAC where we met, we just discovered this, or at least we just have to believe one or two holes into this new discovery of Area 51, Lower Tabasco. Obviously, a lot's changed. I mean, at the, at the time when we were talking at the last PDAC, and this is this is in the 2019, we were talking about our main Gabro zone and how, how we'd increase our 300 ounces of vertical meter to 1,000 ounces of vertical meter. It's still a very interesting story, but nothing close to what we currently have demonstrated on the property with respect to these new discoveries of Area 51 in Tabasco. And particularly the fact that, you know, every drill hole continues to intersect and, and expand the zones. So, so, so there's a lot changed. Yeah, no, you took on, I think Kirkland Lake came on right after as well. Eric Sprott invested. You, you pretty much just exploded and became a market darling. Now you're in the same area or in the same sphere as an Osisco mining, uh, maybe a Battle North Gold, which was formerly Rubicon or even Great Bear, right? In that sphere, you're almost a billion market cap company, which is fantastic. And I completely right. whiffed on right. that. So I'm really happy that we're having this chat today because we haven't caught up in between. And uh, I'll get to re-rate my rating as well and uh, talking to you. Um, let's talk about, before we get started on Fenelon and all the other assets, let's talk about more about the corporate strategy right now that you're that you're uh, running. Like what, what's the game plan? You're adding assets as well. Um, let's talk about that for a second, your business plan. Sure. So, so back in late 2015, after we put our first project into operation, it was a small open pit operation in Sudbury. We realized that in order for us to be able to create value for the shareholders, we need to be a cash flow generator and grow through acquisition and, and exploration, because really exploration is still in our DNA. So we assembled an M&A team back in late 2015. In 2016, we reviewed a whole lot of projects. I bet you it'd probably be close to about 250 projects. Only a few select projects went into the CA. Along the way, we came across this Fenelon project where Balmoral Resources owned it. Balmoral in 2010 had assembled this large land package along this Sunday Lake deformation zone, but really they were trying to find the next detour on the eastern side of the you know, Ontario border. And along the way, they also had to stumble onto this nickel project on the Grasset. So in 2011, where they really had, you know, they did, they were trying to focus on the main project. Fenelon became more of an orphan project for them. So, so when we looked at it, we realized that this is a high-grade deposit near surface, but very small. It was only a 40,000-ounce deposit. But more importantly, when we did the due diligence, we realized that wherever they had drilled holes, 
there was mineralizations that were never followed. And when we looked at the geophysics that was done at the time, we realized that there is a lot of these, what we call maglo, which is the structures that really typically show that there is some potential for mineralization of gold in there. And they drilled through some of these in the previous owners, not necessarily Balmoral. And nobody had ever followed up. Everybody switched this 150 meter main gap result. So, so we went and paid three and a half million dollars cash for really that 40,000 ounces plus the infrastructure in there. And then today, as you mentioned, around 800 million dollars. And the majority of that is really our gold story in Fenelon, as well as the acquisition of Balmore. Now, at the time, we were a five million dollar market cap. Balmore was 150 million dollar. And about mid 2019, when we realized a lot of these structures from our Fenelon go outside of our property and the surrounding properties were owned by Balmoral. And because of our share appreciation, we decided to actually attempt to make a, you know, make a deal with Balmoral for the acquisition of the company. We were unsuccessful in mid 2019, but as we continued the exploration, we managed to bring our share price to even higher, higher levels. And that's uh, early this year on February, we approached them again. And this time we were successful and we closed that transaction in, um, in May of this year. So overall, the strategy of the company was when we were looking at these and, you know, be a plus 100,000 ounce per year producer within a five year period. But obviously, by the time we really got fennel on and then it started this discovery, so we're still on the same path of being plus 100,000 ounces, but really obviously was based on the discovery of this Tabasco zone in Area 51, the potential for uh, an open pitable deposit, plus the fact that with the surrounding land package, we now see there's a potential for this continuation of our mineralization into the uh, lower properties of Balmoral that we acquired, we now see this potentially be, you know, in Tabasco alone, we're probably looking at 150 to 200,000 ounce production scenario in the future. So, so certainly we're meeting or exceeding our own, uh, you know, projections in this, with respect to what we want to be. So. Okay, that, that's very interesting because like, I, I was looking at the valuation and like back in the day in 2019, I think we were talking about a 50,000 ounce production and early 2019, the market was still it's still dead. And I was like, eh, okay, it's Quebec. Management team strikes me as a, as a good team. Like I make that note. And, uh, but the market cow just didn't, was, was out of whack, right? Just Quebec, but Quebec makes up for a lot for it. And uh but we, we should maybe talk about also the bulk sample that you had at Fenelon um, sure. that you, that, uh, in 2019 that you did and what kind of data you got from that. Maybe we'll talk about that for sure. a second. Sure. So we started the bulk sample, obviously, before the, even the discovery of this Area 51 in Tabasco. So on the way Quebec, in Quebec Wars, you have these mining leases that you're allowed to be able to extract bulk samples from, uh, from those areas. And we wanted to demonstrate, because we'd already... As I mentioned, we'd increased our mineralization in that main gabbro from 300 ounces to 1,000 ounces of vertical meter. And we were getting these really double-digit meters with triple-digit grades, and we wanted to see if they're continuous or not. So we need to demonstrate, number one, the continuity of these high-grade zones. Number two, the, uh, the mineability of bulk stopes rather than just narrow vein mining, and more importantly, the recoveries. So, so the bulk sample generated about 33 and a half thousand tons of about 18 and a half grams a ton reconciled after the mill recoveries and the recoveries were 98%. And we demonstrated that some of these intersections of double digit meters and triple digit grades were really in fact continuous over 20, 30, 40 meter strike lengths. So that's why the average stope size for that bulk sample was over 4,000 tons, which demonstrated that this is not just the, you know, small underground type of uh, narrow vein mining that you can maybe produce 40 or 50,000 ounces a year. This could potentially become the kind of scenarios that we were looking at. So. 
Okay, interesting. That and was, and how did the bulk sample sort of compare with your internal models? Like, I know you don't have a resource out or anything, but uh, like, how did that fit in? Overall, overall, it actually reconciled well. On an individual stop, because of the nuggety effect of the deposit, you, on an individual stove, it didn't reconcile as much because sometimes you would think that the stove was going to generate 17 grams a ton. It would generate 23. And then the one that you thought it was 21 grams a ton may have generated 14. But on an overall basis, on the, on the entire shear zones and everything else, it reconciled, re reconciled very well. And more importantly, the bulk sample left us with over $20, $25 million worth of infrastructure underground, plus the exploration drift that we did, that now we were only allowed to take 35,000 tons out of that whole area, that the future ounces from this area is going to come pretty cheap. Yeah. Okay, and uh, we need to talk about development timeline, obviously, as well. But uh, let's talk about more exploration first before we talk about development. Sure. That's further down the road. Um, you're planning to drill sure. close to 100,000 uh, meters this year or in, in, the, in the program. Um, this year's, yeah. you know, it's like we're losing time here, unfortunately. Uh, it's already July, yes, right? Um, so, so run us through the program for this year. What have you drilled so far? I know COVID threw a wrench in between everybody's legs, right? So um, yeah. how has that slowed you down and where are you at in the program right now? That's fine. So the so 2020 program was initially supposed to be 100,000 to 120,000 meters. Uh, obviously, we were on track till about March 23rd before the COVID shutdown that happened. And we were continuing to be, be slightly over 120,000 meters. With the two and a, about two and a half months of the COVID shutdown, we still, we just ramped up. We're actually up to the pre-COVID level of six drills at the site. Oh. We expect to be completing at least 100,000 meters this year of the program. About 80,000 meters of that would be on the Fenelon Prime, continuing on the, you know, uh, expansion of the, uh, the, the zones like Tabasco and Area 51 and also infill drilling. And a couple of drills are dedicated for about the 20 to 25,000 meters on the newly acquired, acquired land from Balmore, partly following up on the Ripley and Reaper zone discoveries that they just did this year. And, uh, and more importantly, the structures that are continuing from Area 51, especially southwest, western part of the property, going into the Balmoral land, we have a de drill dedicated to follow up on those as well. We're looking at the open pit scenario as well in that area, and that's one of the reasons we wanted to dedicate one drill to that area. Okay, so it's July 9th now, and uh, I know you started drilling around the 15th of May, uh, maybe a few days later. I know you announced it around that time. Um, how many meters are in the lab right now, and how many holes? Like You should be due for a press release now that you closed the Balmoral acquisition, right? You, you're <laughs> I don't know everybody's right? expecting a press release, but we actually announced on May 14th that we're going back to the site, but obviously the government had just allowed us to do that at that time the drills weren't sitting at the site waiting for it the drill had been moved so it took a couple of weeks before the drills started i think the first couple of weeks of june we started with two drills and ramped up to four by the end of june and starting about a week ago we're now to six drills up to six drills so so generally these holes are uh, coming from the uh, from the area 51 towards the tabasco they're about a thousand to twelve hundred meter long holes and, and the majority of these holes are mineralized because we're going through the Area 51 as well as Tabasco. And it takes sometimes on 1,000 meters anywhere between three to three and a half weeks of drilling. And then on top of that, you still got about four to five weeks of the assay turnaround from the lab. In fact, the labs have been better these since the COVID shutdown. They've actually been turning around between three to four weeks. So, so we're now starting to see the trickles of the assays coming in. And we're hoping that we'd be able to release the results as soon as they're completely done. So, so yes, I know the market is expecting that, and we're hoping that we'd be able to do that in the next week or so. We're $1,800 gold. What are you waiting for? You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But the unfortunate part is we're not selling the core oh, on the course. gold assays. Of course. Uh, so, so, rough idea, like how many meters are in the lab? How many holes do you know? 
So, so we've drilled, I think since the COVID shutdown, we've drilled about maybe 12,000 meters uh, or, or a little more than that, maybe 15,000 meters. And all of that is in the lab. Some are starting to trickle in. As I mentioned, the hole, we start from the top. We don't wait for the entire hole to be sent to the lab. So, so we carry on, you know, every couple of days, the assays are cut and uh, sampled and are bagged and sent for sampling. So, so I think, I think we'd be, um, we'd be probably having about, you know, uh, every, at least every four, I wouldn't want to say three, four weeks or whatnot, but whenever the results are available, we'll be continuing to release those on a regular and you, basis. You'll be putting out the whole, like the whole hole, <laughs> saying that sounds weird. Well, but, uh, yeah. The unfortunate part is with this deposit, as, as, as I mentioned, or, or the fortunate part is that the, the entire hole is almost mineralized. And sometimes you actually see an area where, I don't know if you're familiar or not, but sometimes you don't see the visible gold, so you don't send it for a screen sampling, but then it comes back as over limit. So now you have add another two, at least a couple of weeks for that sample to go on through the screen analysis to be able to get the proper grade on that. Because sometimes you have an area that is 40 meters of mineralization and there is a couple of samples that are over limit. You want to wait because you don't want to say it was 40 meters of this and then two weeks after having to revise that. Sure. So those are the reasons why it sometimes takes a bit long. Well, it's a good problem to have, I think. Like, it is a good it's problem. a high grade problem and high grade problems are good to have i think so uh, yeah, yeah cool um let, let's talk about development plans so like timeline moving forward and what, what you guys are doing now so you're drilling hundred thousand meters this year um what what's that feeding into what what are the next steps after that so the next step is obviously continue drilling anyways i mean from as i mentioned this deposit was just discovered last year 14 months ago it was we discovered this lower tobasco in area 51 in terms of in terms of really potentially for any kind of a resource, we're actually accelerating that. We're hoping that next year around this time we'd be able to come up with a maiden resource on the deposit. But as I, as I mentioned, as we continue to grow this deposit, we don't, you know, initially we thought that there was a 600 meter strike length of the, or 400 meter strike length of the Tabasco. So far we went, in, you know, brought it to 600 and we continue to expand this ladder. And in these are 75 meter step outs. You know, with the 75 meter step outs, you're really only gonna be able to get you know, the resource that you want, you need to do some infill drilling. But for now, we're expanding that. So based on that 600 meter strike length, we're hoping by mid next year, we'll be able to come up with a mineral resource estimate. And obviously based on that, we carry out continued drilling and then perhaps bring it to the next levels, which are economic studies. Okay, perfect. You're financed for that mostly, like you get 53 million in the bank as of March uh, 31st, obviously you're That's drilling. Correct. So uh, my, my guesstimate is more like you were sitting at 40 maybe because you're burning through three. Uh, About $42 three. million dollars yeah. now. And we expect by the end of this year, completing 100,000 meters, uh, we, we have a lot of studies that we're doing in anticipation of the next economic study, like metallurgical, geochemical, geotechnical, you know, the, all of those studies are being completed, as well as a full general admin costs and everything else. By the end of this year, we still still be left with about $20 million in the treasury, and that will carry us into the next year. However, as you know, next year's we're going to probably looking at the same kind of a budget. So next year is definitely going to be not fully funded but certainly well into next year it is. So we're gonna look at it strategically as to when the best time is for us to fund next year's pro project. In the meantime, we've applied for a 500 ton a day production from the, for the main Gabro area. And when the permits arrive for that, we obviously take a look at, especially with the gold prices these days, there might be an opportunity for us to be able to supplement some of the exploration costs from mining that uh, main Gabro zones that we mentioned for the bulk sample section.
tell us about those. Like, I, I personally like, and that's probably an oversight of my end. But tell us about mining from the main Gabra zone. What kind of infrastructure is available already, and what would it take to take that into production? Like, also so in the, wise, in the top 125 meters, all of the infrastructure is in place. We already put a ramp down. We yeah. went to 125 meters. We were only allowed to take 35,000 tons out of that. So, so there's a lot of, you know, even if you look at in terms of a thousand ounces of vertical meter, if we only took about 25,000 ounces, there's certainly enough ounces in that area of the infrastructure that we have. I'm just looking at so, the site so certainly now, once yeah. the permits so. come, once the permits come, we're going to be able to do that. It doesn't require a mill because you're going to be toll milling that. It's 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 good grade. It's not. I'm not sure exactly if it's going to be the same as the bulk sample grade, but it's certainly going to be in the double digit grade. So so based on those, we'd be able to generate some free cash flow, uh, you know, from those production. However, again, all of these are based on circumstances, circumstantial gold prices. You know, are we going to be defocused from the main project that is a multi-million ounce project and, you know, going after the main Gabro production? So those decisions will be made once we have the production okay. uh, permit in place. You, you mentioned toll milling. Give me an idea of who's around and where is it worth taking to? There's a number of mills available. Obviously, we went to a Camflow mill that is owned by Monarch, and that can, that mill is still available. It's on care and maintenance, put in there for you know, ready for customers. There's also the Sleeping Giant mill, which is only about 90 kilometers away. However, that mill doesn't have the same kind of a capacity, and the, uh, we haven't got an understanding of what our metallurgical recovery would be at that because at Camflow we we achieved 98 percent. In the uh, in the in the bulk sample, there is also the Holt, Holt McDermott of Kirkland Lake, which is about the same distance as ours, and there is also other mills like the Bonteros Mill that is also about the same distance as the Cam Flow. So, so when you look at in the 250 kilometer radius, there's a number of mills that are available for total. Well, and 18 and a half grams allows you to to track it quite a bit. So, I'm not sure if it's uh, the, the production would be at 18 and a half grams as I mentioned, but it's certainly going to be in the double digit grade. Yeah, so. No, that allows some tracking distance. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk about cap structure. Real quick, because because one of my concerns back in the day was oh high share count, and back in 2019 it was 400 million. Now we're sitting at about 750, closer to 800, I think million uh, shares outstanding, yeah. fully diluted. Um, what are your plans moving forward? Like I gotta ask, like are you planning a rollback, and is there a strategy plan? So, so, so the majority, and perhaps more than 95 percent of the rollbacks have always been as a bad results of a bad reason, or or due to the bad reason. We don't have any reasons, you know bad reasons for us to do a rollback. It has to be based on a positive results. Typically, what you want to do is strategically you do that. We'd, I'm not certainly concerned with the number of shares outstanding, particularly because if you continue to, to, to create value for those shareholders, I it shouldn't matter to any of our shareholders what, what portion of the pie they own, so long as the pie continues to grow. But from that respect, we understand that, you know, at one point we need to do that, but we really have not got the impetus for us to do yet. And, 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 and when, it, when that time comes, our board of directors will decide whether that, that's, that's a positive thing, thing or not. So, yeah, so. Okay. Um, th that's a good point. Like, sort of a catalyst. Like, would a New York Stock Exchange listing help you guys out? I, I know you're trading in the U.S., but volume is not really existent in the U.S. I, no. I checked earlier. It was $140,000 this morning or something while you traded $2 yeah. million on the Canadian or the TSX. So yeah, the, the the volume of trading in the U.S. is not reached to the to the point of impetus for us to be able to to be listing in the U.S. We are evaluating some of those, but we certainly do not have any immediate plans to do so. Okay, fantastic. You just mentioned your board of directors, and one person is on there, Tony McCooch. Uh, you know, he's the CEO of Kirkland Lake, and uh, since Kirkland yeah. Lake moved into the Detour camp by buying Detour Gold, I'm wondering, like, how, yeah. how has that relationship changed over the last few months, and uh, how how is he part of the whole like schematic? I think from a point of view of Kirkland Lake, I'm not sure exactly what their plans would be, but certainly they're interested in 
in the area of the detour, as, as you know, because of the reason that they uh, they, they purchased it, and also they, they they like this belt. I mean, I think when you really look at this whole belt, it's like owning the Valdor camp or Timmins camp a hundred years ago. We own in almost the entire ninety kilometer strike length of this uh, this belt, and Kirkenleck looks at that as, as 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 perhaps a potential for growth or creating value for their own shareholders, particularly adding up to the value to the asset that they just purchased from uh, from Detour. So, so from that respect, there is other companies who have shown interest that are there. And from from our point of view, we were always looking for strategic partners, not only because of the financial resources, but also sometimes the technical abilities, the technical resources that we'd be able to maybe draw upon. I, I think I asked you before, but uh, do you have a technical committee or something formed with uh, Kirkland Lake? Is there a good technical partnership or so in place? No, well, we don't have a technical committee as per se because there really isn't a need for it. But from time to time, if we ever need some operational information or whatnot, you know, hey, from experience or whatnot, they're, you know, we're, we're free to call them or I'll, I'll, I'll call up on Tony to see if he can connect somebody to us to be able to help us out with that. Okay. So. Before we switch over to Twitter, we got a couple of questions on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm going to switch over in yep. a second. I got one last one. Like in terms of your acquisition strategy of sort of consolidating the camp, are, are you done with that or is there any more opportunities uh, like low-hanging fruit that you can pick up? Sorry. Uh well, from our point, if you know this, about a couple of weeks ago, we actually did an option agreement with Midland to acquire some of the properties. We really had a gap in there with the Balmoral land package. We wanted to own the entire belt, and we saw that as an opportunity. That's a very value accretive asset because we see the mineralization from the Martinier and the Detour East sort of coming into that land. So from our point of view, that was really a value accretive option agreement that we can acquire. You never, as a company that's continuing to grow and develop, you're never going to close your eyes and say, I'm done. We're not. So, so, and we shouldn't be, and, you know, on behalf of the shareholders, we always should be on the lookout to see what, what other things are there. But we certainly aren't interested in creating, bringing a lot of assets, because I think that was one of the issues with the Balmoral was the fact that they had too much land package, but not enough focus. Our primary focus is still Fenelon in the surrounding area. <clears throat> and the other land package that we've got, like the Martinier or not, we don't have any plans for drilling on it this year, but certainly with next year, we'll be looking at how do we, how do we, get these projects still going towards the development without really becoming too defocused. Yeah. So whether it's a joint venture opportunity or whether we continue doing a bit of a work on it. So those are the reasons why we're, we we like this whole package of land, but our primary focus would still be fennel. Okay, fantastic. Let me switch over to Twitter real quick. Um, sure. Unfortunately, you can't see the questions, but our audience can. So uh, let me just read it out. Okay. And Andrevsky is asking, um, how much longer until the 500 ton per day mining can start? We briefly talked about it, but I just want to drill down maybe on timeline just a tad more. So, so we don't know when the permits are coming. Everything has been submitted to the government. We're hoping that bef you know before the end of this year it all arrive. But obviously, it's a you know it's a process that it takes. You know, you got the First Nation consultations that have been going very well. The First Nation communities in Quebec are very very well uh, organized. They're good. They're pro mining projects because of the economic development that creates that's created in that area. And we see that process taking some time before the end of the year, before we get the permit. But again, it's not in our hands, it's in the hands of the regulators. So once that comes, that would obviously be the time that we'll decide where we're gonna put this into production or not. Fantastic. Um, how, how are you, that's a question from my end, like how are you protecting yourself from being branded as a, as a production story versus an exploration story with massive upside? But well, this is this is exactly what I was trying to tell you. Circumstantial, right? Because you really need to realize that if we continue to demonstrate and having a, having created this multi-million ounce deposit, would you really want to be distracted with a 40,000 ounce a year production type of a thing? So, so those are the reasons. Once the permits come, we realize that we always want to make sure that. Remember, remember, I'm also a shareholder. 
every one of our directors are. So for what we're, whatever we decide for the company is also same thing as us. So we're not thinking differently than our shareholders. So it has to create value for the shareholders for us to do so. Yeah, perfect, perfect answer. And I got one last question here on Twitter. Um, uh, are you planning to or to continue the Balmoral drilling campaign or have you stopped it while you make your own plans? No, as I mentioned, we have two drills on the Balmoral properties, in fact, as part of the six drills. So the four is on our own Fenelon Prime and the other two actually are the surrounding around Balmoral properties. With respect to the other properties on the on the whole belt, as I mentioned, on the Martinia or whatnot, we don't have any plans for it this year. But certainly there is two drills following up on the Reaper and Ripley zone and one drill following up on the uh, extensions of the Area 51 into the surrounding Balmoral land package. Fantastic. Great. Um, we're hitting our time limit, so I just want to give you an opportunity to sort of put a bow around everything and uh, give us an outlook for the next three to six months. What can we expect and uh, what should we look out for? Sure. I mean, obviously, I just mentioned that we have a fully funded program. It's 100,000 meters this year, perhaps next year, 150,000 meters. Uh, we are going to come up with a mineral resource estimate. And from a point of view of valuation, a lot of analysts might have a hell of a time trying to put valuation, value these companies, us, Great Bear, or Cisco, everybody else who's in the same camp, etc. You know, from our point of view, we see this as a multi-million ounce potential in an area that's really underexplored. And from that point of view, you really look, got to look at it. It says 150, 200,000 ounce production out of a Tabasco zone, which is sort of demonstrated itself as being a continuous, you know, area, as well as this potential for an open pit makes it for a much larger valuation than what it is today, except for it requires the drilling and the work that we need to do on it. So, so, so our shareholders need to understand that and be patient with it. Uh, we have a business plan. We know what we, what we got to get it to. We've tried to disclose that as best as we can. And, uh, and and we see this, there's a lot more potential for this to grow. So. Fantastic. Marx, thanks, thanks, thanks for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking Thank to you, you and really upgrading my, my uh, feeling for the company. Like, I really appreciate it. I love your enthusiasm as well. Um, you're one of the more okay. enthused CEOs we had on the program, so I really appreciate that. Uh, everybody <laughs> well, else, thank uh, thanks for your questions. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching SF Live Episode 60 with Walbridge Mining. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and Twitter channel here. Uh, follow us. Leave some feedback. We always want to hear from you, so that's important to us as well. Mars, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk again very soon. Very good. Right, take care. Bye.